0: Path of Revelation Podcast, I'm your host, Gabriel Parker, and this is Where the Culture Meets Scripture. Full time with my faith, full time, full time, clock in, never clock out, clock in, never clock out. No way with the slackers, no, no way with the slackers, no, no. In, never clock out clock in, never clock out clock in never clock out listen i'm super excited my album is pretty much done it will be available by the end of this month i will have a date for you guys next week <laughs> but i'm super excited about that listen make sure you guys go to path now.com for content more content merch If you need to leave a prayer request or if you have any questions about anything you're going to hear on today's show or any previous show you may have listened to, hey, go to pathofrevelationnow.com, leave your questions and prayer requests. I'll be glad to respond and pray with you or answer any of your questions. Um, But listen, I've been taking a free Yale course, African-American History from emancipation to present. And the cool thing about this course is it's an actual course that you would normally have to pay for, but it was made free online. And so as I've been taking this course, I think the instructor has been doing a phenomenal job of presenting the history without showing any personal bias, and I believe he's been doing a very good job of just laying out what happened. And so historically, I'm I'm seeing how black people were mistreated by and large, discriminated against, shown acts of violence and abuse and hatred. Laws and and the black things like the black codes that were put in place to hold black people back. From advancing in education and economically and even how these things that were set in place back in the day still affects many black people today and so I feel like being black and Christian especially in these times have presented unique challenges the other day I spoke with a black pastor friend of mine's who serves in a predominantly white church and white community and this particular gentleman I mean he's been consistent he's all about the gospel he loves people and his track record really speaks for itself to be honest but I began to listen as he shared his frustrations with trying to communicate his personal experiences with racism, prejudice, and bias today with some of his fellow white co-laborers. And he began to share how some of his white co-laborers were dismissive of his personal experiences. Not all, not all, but how some were dismissive of his personal experiences and how they would say things like oh you're just catering to your flesh and weren't willing to hear him out and I began to share with him how I could identify with some of his frustrations and how I feel the pressure of feeling like I'm not being black enough for the quote-unquote woke Christians because I'm not walking around with my fist in the air and I'm not leaving black lives matter hashtags on on my posts and on the other hand I hate when conservative Christians try to put me in a liberal box because I won't denounce that systemic racism and prejudice still exists and affects many black people today and how if many of us can acknowledge how generational wealth and legacy works? Why can't we acknowledge how generational poverty works? And things like, oh, I'm not being patriotic. And listen, out of all of these things, I believe that this will help many of you. I believe this show is going to, if you just give me your ears, (laughs) I believe this will also help many of our White brothers and sisters in Christ to understand some of the cultural differences and how those cultural differences may lead to different experiences. And so many black Christians are frustrated because they feel like they aren't being heard by people that they have respected over the years people that they have formed relationships with and even Christians that they haven't necessarily formed personal relationships with, but Christians they may have looked up to whose body of work has inspired and encouraged them over the years. But when it comes to the conversation of social justice and racial equality, they're frustrated because so many times their personal experiences are met with dismissiveness. And so with all of that being said, I am proud to be black. I'm glad God made me who I am and put me in the skin that, I'm, that I am in. But I also realize to elevate my ethnicity above others, or to put my blackness on equal planes with my faith or Christ is just blasphemous. I'm reminded of when Paul wrote about his ethnicity, culture and past faith in Philippians three, he talks about in verse three, having no confidence in the flesh. And then he goes on in the, later verses to talk about how he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, Hebrew of Hebrews. Circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, he begins to give his credentials as a Hebrew. But then as he begins to compare those things, his his ethnicity and past faith to gaining Christ, he referred to it as dung or rubbish. That he might gain the excellency of Christ. And so as black Christians, we we can't allow, and I think this is so important for, for, for us who are, are black and Christian, that we can't allow the sin of racism and bias against black people. To cause us to become prejudice. We can't fight prejudice with prejudice. We can't fight evil with evil. The Bible says to overcome evil with good. It's nothing wrong with being proud to be who God made you. But these things are not a license for us to idolize our blackness. And elevate our blackness above others for some of us it's shifted from equality to I'm better than non-blacks some of us have allowed our frustrations to turn into hatred bitterness and unforgiveness some of us have allowed our frustrations to cause us to elevate our blackness above Christ and even blaspheme the Lord. Like when, when I was, one example, I was watching a clip of the funeral from civil rights leader and former U.S. Representative John Lewis when Reverend Raphael Warnock is giving the eulogy of John Lewis, and he begins to quote Isaiah 53 and replaces Jesus with John Lewis. Here, take, take a listen, I don't own the rights to this clip. We celebrate John Lewis. He was wounded for America's transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, The chastisement of our peace was upon Him and by His stripes, we are healed. So let's remember Him today and let's recommit tomorrow to standing together and fighting together and voting together and standing up on behalf of truth and righteousness together. We'll get through this together, let's save the soul of our democracy together. Let's worship the Lord Let's worship the Lord together Thank God For John Robert Lewis Let the nation say amen Amen. Amen. And let the angels Rejoice Okay so that was the clip of Reverend Raphael Warnock Giving the eulogy for John Lewis and listen that was extremely blasphemous. And some of you guys might be like, "Oh, he, he he it wasn't that big of a deal." Well, when we look at the word blasphemy, it means the act or offense of speaking sac- sacrilegiously about God or sacred things, profane talk. And so what we have to understand is that Jesus is God. God is is holy. When we attempt to put ourselves in the place of God, or elevate ourselves and put ourselves in Christ's shoes or sandals or whatever the case may be, it's blasphemous. Remember what John the Baptist said about Christ. He says, "There's one coming." He says, "I'm not him, but there is one who is coming, whom I'm not even worthy to unlatch his sandals." And so, when, when we talk about the Lord, the, the problem, I think, with today's culture and many of us who profess to, to be Christians, we've allowed society to cause us to devalue God, to devalue Christ. And, and one of the fastest ways that we begin to devalue Christ is when we elevate ourselves, when we begin to have confidence in our flesh, as Paul talked about in Philippians 3. This is why Jesus said in Luke nine twenty-three through 24, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and come after me. For whoever will save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my name's sake shall save it. And so one of the prerequisites for following Christ is to deny ourselves. It is to deny our flesh, to deny our desires, because the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man. But the end thereof is. Is destruction and so we have to decrease as John chapter 3 verse 30 says I must decrease and he must increase see what we're trying to do is we're trying to increase and increase Christ at the same time and it doesn't work that way Jesus said you can't serve two masters for you'll either love one and despise the other and this is what what's happening When we are so self-indulged, we automatically begin to devalue Christ and not see his name as sacred. And not see him as holy. And in a sense, because we're elevating ourselves, we begin to make him like us because God can't 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 come can't go up any higher. He is the highest. (laughs) And so. In this clip is it's extremely blasphemous and what's very alarming about this is that this is supposed to be a Christian preacher. And this is what I'm seeing happen with many of us who profess Christ. We are putting down our faith. Or we're 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 putting our faith in the back seat. To to uplift our our skin and our blackness, and again, I'm not talking about just being proud of your blackness because there's a difference between between being proud of who God made you and uh, actually idolizing who God made you. And so I um, I was I checked out. I had an t- opportunity to check out. Um, about 17 minutes of Black is King by Be- Beyonce. And I probably won't finish, not just not because it's too much for me, but because I, I really have no real interest. And in the past, I've really only kept up with these type of things because I know these things affect people. And I know the Christian voice is important in navigate, in navigating through culture I will say this, though, within the first five minutes, she blasphemed Christ and the Holy Spirit. I think it's very problematic when we as Christians defend these type of things for what should be obvious reasons not to. As Christians, I believe we have to be balanced, but that balance shouldn't consist of us over intellectualizing or dumbing down things that are spiritual and demonic in nature in the name of black pride and entertainment. Sure, African culture isn't automatically synonymous with witchcraft, just like any other culture isn't. But within every culture, demonic practices exist and are sometimes overtly practiced and pushed. Like what was done in Black is King. When we look at John, and, and some I know some people are like, whoa, when did when did Beyonce blaspheme Christ or the Holy Spirit? Well, when we look at John chapter one, the Bible refers to Jesus. And listen, before I hop into this, listen, none of this is conspiracy theory stuff like I know there's ton of videos on YouTube about oh, black uh Beyonce is in the Illuminati, Jay-Z is in a this is not that type of show. I'm not about to do that. I don't l- listen. Some things are just so blatantly demonic that they don't need to be decoded. <laughs> so I'm not about to decode symbolisms or oh the hat that she wore and this I'm not about to do that. Because I don't want to give too much power or or give too much credit uh, to Beyonce. But the reason why I feel the need to address the Black is King visual album that was just released by Beyonce is because I believe that she is a cultural icon that represents influence that is pulling many Christians or many people into turning away from Christ in the name of exalting their blackness or making an idol out of their blackness. And so with that being said, um, the blasphemy aspect, and I didn't, and again, I only watched 17 minutes to see what I needed to see. Um, But in John chapter one, the Bible refers to Jesus as the word becoming flesh, a.k.a. God in the flesh, a.k.a. the living word. This is where we get the living word from. It. Jesus is the living word. Well, in the opening song, um, I believe the title of the song is Bigger. Beyonce refers to black people as the living word, which is basically a way of saying we are gods. Here's what she said. You're part of something way bigger, not just a speck in the universe, not just some words in a Bible verse. You are the living word. That's blasphemy. She also references. This is what the spirit, a.k.a. Holy Spirit is teaching. Yet the spirit testifies. Of Jesus according to John 15 not us the Holy Spirit is also God and the Holy Spirit does not testify that we are the Living Word but that Jesus is and so um, the lyrics go on and say rise the Spirit is teaching oh I'm not just preaching I'm taking my own advice listen Some of you guys might be like, "Okay, what's the big deal?" And I believe some of us, we, we don't take things like this serious. We, again, we don't take blaspheming the name of the Lord serious, because I believe that we have allowed culture to influence us more than the Bible, and so we begin to elevate things above Christ when 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 in the scriptures blasphemy is extremely serious and especially the bible says that blaspheming the holy spirit is 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 probably the most serious of sins and so what's the big deal because i hear people say well the bible does say ye are gods so let's deal with that because when most people quote this particular Line They're referring to Psalms. uh, 82, verse six, where God says you are gods or they're usually referencing, I believe, John 10, where Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees. And don't quote me on the John 10, um, but there's um, a story in the New Testament. I believe it is found in John where Jesus is talking with the Pharisees. And he says, you have heard it said you ye are God's. And when Jesus says that, he's actually quoting and referencing Psalms 82. But what is Psalms 82 actually talking about? Well, when we look at verse six, where it says you are God's in the original Hebrew text, the term for God's there is actually Elohim which can be used for God Almighty. But the term Elohim is also used to reference earthly kings and judges. And so when we look at Psalms 82, it is very when we read it in its entirety, it is very clear that ye are gods is actually referring to to earthly judges and kings, and and so it is not God calling us little deities. It is not God saying, "Hey, I have made you gods," but it is God addressing um, specifically God in this particular verse of Scripture in Psalms 82. He's addressing the wicked judges. And kings of the earth. Matter of fact, let's read because um Psalms 82 is a very, very short verse, it's only eight verses. When we look at verse one, it says a, a psalm of Asaph, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Verse 2: How long will you judge? unjustly and show partiality to the wicked verse 3 give justice to the weak and the fatherless maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute rescue the weak and the needy deliver them from the hand of the wicked so we see that God is is rebuking and correcting wicked judges and kings verse 5 they have neither knowledge nor understanding they walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Verse 6 I said, You are God's Son of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, verse 7 Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth. For you shall inherit all the nations. So it's very clear when we look at Psalms 82, God is not calling us little deities. And so sorry to bust any of your bubble. Well, actually, I'm not sorry to bust your bubble. We are not gods. The Bible says there is only one God. In the Bible, um, I believe in Exodus, God is speaking to Moses. He says, "There's no other gods beside me." And so, when when dealing with false gods or, or or deities, the Bible is clear that any other deity is actually a false deity. In other words, it's counterfeit; it's not real. And so, this is something that we have to understand. All of these things, one of the things that I've noticed as I deal with different religions or or beliefs, and I'm not even just talking about African religion or or I'm talking about any other religion outside of Christianity. One of the common themes is either you are gods or you're going to become a god. That is that is that's just a fact (laughs) But listen, many, many people um, I've seen, many people say, what's wrong with witchcraft? And many of us are asking these questions, and this is not a shot at anyone. But I believe if we're going to truly grow and begin to honor Christ with our lives, that we have to be honest about our shortcomings, none of us are above reproach but many of us have opened up the door to witchcraft we've opened up the doors to idolatry by allowing the current climate of today to indoctrinate us and affect our spirituality and so i see many Um, Black people getting more involved in witchcraft. I'm seeing I've seen even some who um, I've seen Christians now defending witchcraft, which is crazy to me. And so one of the things we have to understand is that any source of spirituality that isn't submitted or rooted in Christ is demonic in nature. I'm going to say that again any source of spirituality that is not submitted to Christ or rooted in Christ is demonic there's no there's no gray line when it comes to spirituality you're either submitting to the Holy Spirit or submitting to demonic spirits and the Bible makes it abundantly clear when we look at um, Leviticus chapter 19 verse 31 it reads and says, do not turn to mediums or necromancers or spiritualists. What is a necromancer or medium? Um, necromancers or spirit, spiritualists are people who are influenced by familiar spirits. Or in other words, they're, they're either demonically oppressed or possessed and they are controlled and influenced by demonic spirits. He says, do not turn to mediums or psychics or necromancers. Do not seek them out. And so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord, your God. Now, somebody is saying, oh, man, but Gabe, that's the Old Testament. Well, let's look at Galatians chapter five. Since we're in the new covenant now and under grace, let's see what the Lord has to say about that uh, witchcraft. In the New Testament, Galatians five, verse 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. He says they're evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery or witchcraft, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, drunkenness, envy, Um, Envy drunkenness orgies and things like these I warn you he says I warn you as I warn you before That those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God We cannot be Christians and dabbling in witchcraft We cannot be Christians and defending witchcraft And listen, these are things that we should not even be debating about. Like when we look at Acts chapter 16, and this will be the last story that I that I share with you guys. When we look at Acts chapter 16, we see the apostles It's the story of the apostles and the soothsayer. The Bible lets us know that this soothsayer made her master. Great gain. She had a stronghold on the community that she was in. She had great influence. The Bible lets us know when the apostles came and they began to perform miracles in the name of Jesus. They begin to heal the sick. They begin to um, preach the gospel, and and there was a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. The Bible lets us know that the soothsayer saw the apostles, and because of their influence, she attached herself to them and began to follow them around, announcing that these are the mighty men of God who have the words of everlasting life. Hear them. Now, what's interesting about this story is what she was saying about the apostles was true. But her motive wasn't right. She was trying to use the influence of the apostles to leverage their influence for her to gain or or retain her influence because she saw that what they were doing, how God was using them was causing her to lose business or influence. And so she attached herself to them. The Bible lets us know that I believe she followed them for like two or three days. And the Bible lets us know that the apostles discerned her they discerned that she had an evil spirit and get this they cast the evil spirit out of her in the name of Jesus what's the point of this story the Apostles didn't look at the soothsayer and say, hey, you have credibility with these people. You have a huge following already. Hey, let's join up and use our influence to win them. No, they discerned that she had an evil spirit and they dealt accordingly with it. They didn't say, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just entertainment. They didn't say, oh, it's just nothing wrong with witchcraft. No, they didn't. They didn't play around with it. And so we as believers, we shouldn't play around with witchcraft. We should not be. Elevating our blackness above Christ or even putting or or even um, putting our blackness on the same level as our Christianity. Listen, the throne that Christ sits on in our heart shouldn't be occupied should not be occupied by anything else but him unto his glory alone and so though i am proud to be black when compared to the excellency of christ that i might gain christ my i consider my blackness as rubbish when compared to christ And yes, man, I I, listen, I don't want to discourage anybody from celebrating their culture. We should be able to celebrate our culture as black people, just like any other person who celebrates their heritage and culture. But we also have to be wise enough and humble enough. And discerning enough to see. When. A celebration of our culture is crossing the line into idolatry. And that should be when we as Christians draw the line. And so I want to encourage you guys to to seek the face of the Lord like never before. Because some of us think, (laughs) think that these things are conspiracy theorists there. There are people who, when you start talking like this, they think you're talking conspiracy theorist stuff, and it, and they think that because they don't read their Bibles for real. Like if we just get in the Word for ourselves, not just living off of the, the 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 commentaries that we're reading or the Sunday sermons that we we're hearing that reciting the same scriptures that we've heard our entire life. But when we really start digging in the scriptures for ourselves, we'll begin to taste and see that the Lord is truly good. The Lord will begin to open up our eyes and show us things that 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 we think are deep are actually simple. Because what I see happening in a lot of these instances, we over intellectualize spirituality. We make the deep things of God simple. And the simple parts of God deep. And really, we just need to deny ourselves. We need to deny our flesh. This is why last episode I said many of us have learned how to use the Bible for self-help. But have not desired to use the Bible for self-denial. And one of the first prerequisites to following Christ is denying ourselves. When we look at the rich young ruler, he said, what must I do to enter, have eternal life? He says, I've kept the commandments since my youth. Jesus told him, hey, take all that you have, sell your, sell all that you have and give up all of your wealth. And the rich young ruler, when he heard that, because Jesus addressed his idol, his wealth and power. And because he was unwilling to give that up, he went away. The Bible says he went away sorrowful. And the reason why he went away sorrowful because was because he wanted to hold on to his idols and Christ. He wanted to make Christ just another idol on his shelf of idols. And many of us are trying to do what the rich young ruler. Did. We don't want to give up our idols to follow Christ, truly follow Christ, because Christ, if, if we just be honest with ourselves Christ has not has not has tr- not truly been enough for us. Many of us are like Adam in the garden. We have everything. We have everything in Christ. We have everything in God. We're perfect. We have perfect access to God. But we're looking at that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that that forbidden fruit that God told us not to touch, even though we already have everything in Christ. And we're pursuing our lust. We're pursuing the lust for knowledge. When if we just taste and see. That the Lord is good. Listen, it's time for us to go deeper. Deeper. It's time for us to go deeper in our prayer lives. It's time for us to go deeper in our word life. It's time for us to begin to to learn how to fast and sacrifice. In the word, he says, "If you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you." We we'll, It's time for us to stop just looking at reaping what you sow in terms of money, but looking look at it in terms of our spiritual and mental well-being. When we sow into the spirit, we will reap of the spirit everlasting life. When we sow in prayer, we'll reap the deep things of God. We'll re- we'll reap the um, an experience with God. We'll reap um, blessings. We'll reap uh, peace and joy and contentment which is true wealth. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. So I want to encourage you guys to stand bold for Christ. Don't be conformed to the trends of this world. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind and present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God not unto your not not submit your body unto your blackness but submit yourselves unto God which is your reasonable service that you may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God listen thank you guys for tuning in i'm praying for you again make sure you go to pathofrevelationnow.com to leave your prayer request and listen This is the Path of Revelation podcast, and this is where the culture meets scripture.